I love God's word. Anybody just love his word? Why don't you give praise to God just for his word? Would you do that? Give him praise. We're in a series called Stirred Up out of Hebrews 10, 24. Read this with me. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good work. Say it. Let us consider one another in order to stir up and good works. Can I exhort about that before we read anymore? Say yes, because I'm going to anyway. All right, so. All right. Anybody, uh, anybody ever stir something up? I mean, I mean, if you have stew, do you stir it up? Or do you just leave it all just laying on the bottom? No, you stir it up, don't you? Because it tastes better. Anybody? Anybody have like, uh, uh, you know, some milk or something and you shake it up or stir it up just to make sure it's right? Okay. We're the body of Christ and sometimes we're just too settled. And we like preaching that keeps us just settled down. We like word that will not challenge us to be any more than we already are. Somebody say stirred up. And another word is shaken. So last week I talked to you about being shaken up. Uh, Today we're going to read some scripture from David that uh, uh, just to get us in the right place. Because my purpose today is to get you, get us all to choose true salvation. I want us all to choose salvation. We already chose salvation. Uh, well, God chose you. Has anybody ever walked through times in your life where you struggled with things that you knew were not of God? Amen. Amen. Yes. Have you done that? Yes. Okay. I'm so glad you're here today. All right. I needed an amen right there. So. I'm going to lift both of my hands. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody? Struggled. The enemy will test you. You will be tested. And uh, you're going to bring glory to God. And as you come through it, you're going to come through fire. You're going to come through difficulty. And you're going to come through victorious. David went through a time like this. And this is his prayer. Read with me. Beginning in Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Verse five, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. I was born in iniquity. Keep reading. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. And blot out all my iniquities. In verse 10. Read it loud. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will be converted to you. Verse 14. 
Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall, shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do you see that David had a revelation in the scripture? That another verse says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. Do you see that? Anybody see that? There's some things that seems like the right thing to do, but it brings about destruction. And he says here, Lord, I am guilty. I am guilty of the worst kind of sin. Now hide your face from it and deliver me. And he says, and now I'm going to teach other transgressors. Anybody know a transgressor? Other than yourself. (laughs) I saw that. Yeah. Right? I'm going to teach others. This is what happened to me. Now let me help you get through it. Father, come and help us, Lord Jesus, as we learn from your word. Stir us up. Pray with me. Stir us up, O God. Stir us up. Make us more like you. Come, Holy Spirit. Be in this place. We need you. Create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And as a dad and as a pastor, one of my favorite scriptures is Acts 2.38. In, in Acts chapter 2, there's this moment where uh, finally, after uh, the power of the Holy Spirit is settled, and then uh, Peter and, his, uh, and the disciples are out in the streets and they're preaching the gospel. The Bible says that the people asked uh, and said, what do we need to do to be saved? <clears throat> And uh, Peter said to them, repent, read this with me, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as the Lord our God shall call. So repent, be baptized and receive the gift of of the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, he, he, he sums this up. The promise is for you, promises for you, but that's not enough. I want you to know that the promise is for you and to your children. Amen. The promise is for you and to your children and to all who are far off. And that's a generational statement to you and to your children and to those who are far off. I have pictures in my home. You've been to my house. You know, the old pictures I got a lot of pictures of dead people hanging on my wall, all right? Uh, pick people that are dead but are still alive. Anybody got pictures like that? I got, you know, how many know I love Lucy? I love, love Lucy. Not the TV show so much. Remember, some, you don't even know what I'm talking about. But years ago, there's I Love Lucy was a TV show. Uh, but I love Lucy. Her name was Lucy Hawker. And she was the one who gave her life to Jesus and then made sure her children knew Jesus. And her children know Jesus and because of that, my daddy knows Jesus because grandma, great-grandma Lucy's dad, his child was Richard Hawker, and Richard's son was Marvin Hawker, and Marvin's son is Rick Hawker, 
And Rick's son is Preston Hawker, you know what I'm saying? And anyway, I'm just saying that we all know Jesus, and that's the plan. You got that? So as many as are far off, as again, as a dad, but also as a pastor, because we are family at Freedom. And not only am I saved, but you've given your life to Jesus. And some of you gave your life to Jesus in this particular family. And not only do I want you to be saved, but I want you to have spiritual children as well. And I want years from now, you know, I sometimes talk about that dear brother, Troy Simmons, that some of us in this room, how many knew Troy? Is there anybody in here besides me that knew Troy? Hold your hand up if you knew Troy Simmons. Look at that. People who knew brother Troy. Of course, you know, Sister Tootsie's here. I'm sure she knew Troy, all right? And, uh, but uh, Troy was the founding pastor of Virginia Beach Church of God at 14th Street. And uh, many, many years ago, uh, about 70 years ago, as a matter of fact, uh, praise Jesus. All right. So, uh, I'm thinking, I'm so grateful for Troy and Nell. I'm so grateful because when I, when I stand here and preach, I remember Troy personally. I loved him very dearly. Uh, he, he was a member of this particular community, but we want this thing to continue. So as a pastor, as a father, I'm not looking just for what God is doing in the moment, but I want God to do something generationally because When I talk about my faith, it's not just about me. It's about those who come after me. It's always been this story. Our children are important. Uh, This church is important. When I I hear stories, I was uh, watching a little story on uh, CBN about uh, a mission program they had going on about children who were living in a particular area that could get no water. And they were so desperate for water that they had to keep the cow. So they would bleed the cows when they were thirsty and drink the blood of cows. And I thought, please tell me about this. And I know some of you are looking at me grimacing right now. You couldn't imagine being that thirsty. And I'm telling you, there are those that are that thirsty. And we have been a part of wells. Somebody praise God for that. Uh, So grateful for Gabriel and Emily and their work in Kenya and our ability to, to connect with them, but also, you know, fight for life. You've, you know, Preston in, in that particular ministry, they have connected and had gatherings uh, where they were able to drill wells in places where there are no water. I mean, you couldn't understand. I mean, I know we've had some really tough times because, you know, we're having to eat out and we can't sit in the restaurants and sometimes we wear masks. And we don't know what trouble is. But there are people, however, that are struggling right here in the United States from thirst. And they're dying a spiritual death because they're drinking things that do not give them life. There's spiritual malnutrition all over. It's a deep, deep problem. People are starving. The enemy wants to starve you and starve the next generation. And this gripped me in my studies this week as I was reading again out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Know this. And Paul is writing to his spiritual son. He's writing to Timothy, who is his spiritual son. If you follow the Timothy story, you hear about his mother and you hear about his grandmother, but you don't hear about his daddy. How many know there are some people that need fathers? Anybody know that? They need spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. So, so he's writing 
to Timothy and he says, Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Turn away. There's a lot of tough words. The word perilous means times will be extremely violent and dangerous. Spiritually violent. Spiritually dangerous. The idea of the word is not just evil, but it is a time where people will be overcome by evil. Literally, the reducing of one's strength. They will become without spiritual strength. And it's, it's followed by a description of people who have a form of godliness. It's, it's a form of godliness, but there's nothing on the inside. It, they, they have a form, but they deny the power of Jesus. And that's what that Acts 2 statement was about, where he said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, uh, and receive for the remission of sins, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's like... Uh, what I want is not for you just to repent. I want you to go further. I want you to be baptized. I want your flesh to lose its power. And I want you to receive the gift of God. Stop denying the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't deny that I need more than an intellectual assent. I just need a ritualistic activity. That's not what we're talking about. And I know it seems like we're talking about the last days. It's always acceptable to teach about the last days. Did you know that? Always. A preacher that I know this past week was making comments about there's way too much talk about the last days because these days are no different than days that other people have gone through. And I would agree to a point, all right, because... uh, the days that you are going through, if you were, you know, like uh, 75 years ago, it was just 75 years ago that the atomic bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, all right? If you were living as a believer in that day when those bombs were dropped and you saw literally the skin melt off of people, you would say, Jesus is about to come back, right? right? If you were living during World War II, if you were living during the Depression, you were said, Jesus is about to come back. But the difference right now is not only are there wars and rumors of wars, but now there's the spiritual warfare until literally people are denying the power of Jesus Christ. That is the greater evidence. You say, there's a pandemic. There have been lots of pandemics. Our masks are not the first masks. There have been lots of sickness. This is not the bubonic plague. We're not having a third of the population die. There are people that we know that have had this sickness that are doing just fine today. People have gotten over it. Yes, there have been people that have died. I'm not trying to tell you to ignore it. What I'm telling you is, is there have been Pandemics, there have been epidemics, there have been plagues in the past, but never, 
do I believe in all of history has there been a greater movement of denial of the power of Jesus Christ. Never has there been more hypocrisy than I see in the world today. The great issue of the final days is evil and deception. People believe that things that are evil are good and things that are good are evil. That's the issue that I'm talking about. That's the big deal. This is not a small issue. There are people probably in this room right now that are struggling, saying, I don't know if that's true or not. You know, I don't know. Does the Bible really say that? Yes, it does. As I read in Acts 2, that first Christian sermon was about last days. And he says, he says, Jesus, he's saying that we need to know what's really up. And he's saying this to his spiritual son. So sometimes you talk differently to your spiritual kid, to your kids, right? You don't always talk in big words. You just so I like the New Living Translation regarding this scripture. It's really good. Uh, you should know this, Timothy. That in the last days there will be very difficult times. And then he goes, people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. And I, I like that Paul says that to his, to his kids. In the last days, people will be disobedient to their parents. You need godly parents. If you've got godly parents, you should just give them hugs and money. You know, take them on vacations. Yes, I'm saying that as a grandfather. Okay, anyway, so. It says... Uh, Un- unloving and unforgiving, that's a big deal. You could, I could just preach on those two things. Unloving and unforgiving. Our culture is unloving and unforgiving. Amen. Forgiveness would heal our nation. Amen. Love would heal our nation. Can I get a yes? Amen. Cruel. I oh, mean, I've seen so much cruelty and hatred. And the hatred of what is good. I just said that. Betraying their friends... Reckless, puffed up with pride, pride. I'm telling you, if I see another pride commercial, pride goes before a fall. Be careful about the things that you are proud of, especially if they're ungodly. Did I say that? And at the same time, they will act religious. Now, this is what I want to They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people. Like that. So I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Stay safe. Everybody say, stay safe. stay safe. I've said this so many times. You know, I'll go through the drive-thru and get my hamburger and, uh, or whatever I'm getting. And then on the, just before we leave, uh, we'll say something. Take care of yourself. You know, take care of yourself. Be safe. Things like that. You know, what are we saying? All right? Uh, it's a constant conversation. And I, I really I'm just talking to the guys back there. Uh, one of the saddest and funniest stories I heard on the news uh, this past week was a story about a burglary. And there was no, I mean, it wasn't tongue in cheek when they said it. it was, and the story went through this, just like this. It was the way it was said. A uh, particular street in Norfolk, uh, uh, a, a man with a mask came out. And I thought that could be anybody. <laughs> Aren't we supposed to be wearing masks? Masks are good. Masked, man with mask coming out with the gun, bad, all right? 
He was wearing, why was he wearing, maybe he wasn't wearing a mask to disguise himself. Maybe he was keeping one law and breaking another. Story of my life. Yeah, so. And this is what Paul says. And this is a scripture that I kind of struggle with. You can stay, stay, stay safe by staying away from people like that. Okay, do you hear that scripture? Stay away from people like that. Stay away from people like that. So who do we stay away from? People who act religious, but they reject the power that can make them godly. I'll give you some terminology. Uh, be judging me. I'm as godly as you are. Just because I don't go to church don't mean nothing. Uh, that's the way you read the Bible. Right, are you with me? I, I, I'm, it's not saying don't talk or witness. Yes, be gracious, but realize. Can I tell you this? Maybe you haven't heard this before. When it comes to people that are against Christ, you need to be cautious in knowing that when you are with them, you are there in order to share Christ. Okay? If you're just going to hang out, you know, you know, my best friends are not Christians. There's a problem there. Okay? Because your best friends are those that hold you accountable to righteousness. Your best friends are those that will pray with you and speak the truth to you. All right. Now, this is a problem. All right. I remember when I got out of high school and got my full time job at Friendly's restaurant, going to college, working at Friendly's, dipping ice cream. It was really my first big time. Uh, My best friends, the people that I'm with are individuals that don't like Jesus. I mean, I'd always met people at church and, you know, go to school, come home and that sort of thing. But, you know, now I'm working full time. I'm going to college and the people that I get to know are individuals who absolutely refuse the truth and enjoy it. And they are begging me. I remember, honestly, okay, you're going to say, Pastor Rick, you, you were born, you know, so holy and righteous. Listen, I, I made my own mistakes. And we're not preaching about that right now. We're talking about you. I'm sorry. So <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that, that I never felt the tug like I did when I was just hanging out and working with people. I had never been out to a bar drinking like you guys go every week and I never I'm sorry I'm not I'd never been like that but you know after work everybody wanted to go to this place downstairs and it was really in a basement and you know it was all dark and people are in the rooms just filled and everybody's just messed up and and so I yeah I'll go with you another I just want to go with these people I went and I thought Jesus get me out of here and some of you are saying pastor stop picking on my party life I'm saying just be careful who your friends are. Amen. And, and, and saying that, stay away personally, but mostly stay away spiritually. It's, again, it's, it's a strange statement, but it sounds like fatherly advice. You know, Paul to Timothy. You know, I can he- get it. it it's, it's that, you know, now, son, I, I need you to know. How many parents have ever said that to your kids? Look, I don't know if you should hang around. Anybody ever said that to your kids? And your kids look at me, don't be picking my friends. Kids, listen to me. Let your parents help you choose your friends. Listen. Oh, there you go, Pastor. See, you're not being... No. 
Because the people that you hang around will influence you. You say, no, they won't. Yes, they will. Say, you're just an old man. No, I'm smarter than you are. I'm all... Okay, I lost so many people just now. If you look through the scripture, it speaks of those who have a form of devout reverence. They are true hypocrites who deny the truth for their feelings. All right? They deny the truth because their feelings are more important than the truth. And they present their feelings, their flesh, as godliness. Talk about God... Might even pray on occasion. But they are quick to say, yes, I believe in God. I'm just not religious. But clearly, not a friend of those who proclaim God's word as God's truth. Not godly, not righteous, not living out. Is everybody still online? Are you still with me? You still there? Living, not living out the holy character of God. And, it, and, and Paul just says, stay away. This is so parental. I mean, uh, let me give you the larger biblical picture considering the teaching from last Sunday. And I won't go all the way through this, but this heavy scripture that I taught. Anybody heard last Sunday's message? Did you hear last Sunday's message? Because I preached the, the, the scripture that people don't ever want you to preach. Especially a church like ours that receives communion every Sunday. Where he says, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks the cup. And that's heavy because Jesus uh, told him, he said, whenever you get together, I want you to receive the supper. So he says, every time you get together, I want you to examine yourself. And he says, anyone who drinks... He eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on himself. And that's why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you fallen asleep. And, and so that teaching immediately, you're saying, pastor, what are you saying? If I eat this, listen, understand the larger picture here. What he's, what he's saying is, if you want the divine presence of God in your life and you want to walk according to the power of God, don't go back and live the way that you used to. But he's also saying that we are a part of the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he sets the scripture up. And, I, and again, I shared this with you last week, that the, the, there was baptism and there was provision in the Old Testament because the, the Bible says that, uh, that, that these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things. As they did, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality. Some of them did. And and one day, 20, this is a heavy word. Pastor, what are you doing today? Just preaching the word, okay? And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes and do not grumble as some of them and were killed by the destroying angel. The teaching is that they were all baptized when they went through the sea. And the, the bread, the manna was the body. And the water that they drank was from the, wa- the, the rock Christ Jesus. So when they were drinking water out of the well, they were drinking water which was the water of the Lord Jesus, the living water. And when they ate bread, they were partaking as the body 
of the Lord Jesus. And so now when we receive communion, we're going through the wilderness. We've been baptized, but we're receiving his body. We're receiving his blood. And we should live as if we are, we, we should live with his power in our lives. So the trouble in the wilderness was severe. So let me take you to another level of this because I think this is, this is indicative of where we are, the conquest. How many love Joshua? Anybody love that? I got this bracelet. Anybody else got one of these? Joshua 1 and 9, be strong and courageous, right? Uh, do not be, fear, do not be dismayed, uh, for the Lord your God is with you everywhere, everywhere you go. So the problems in, with Joshua were severe. He had already had this message. Anybody remember Joshua in the battle of Jericho, right? So Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, marched seven times around, shouted, all the walls fell down. So, uh, but in Joshua chapter 6, verse 17, Jericho, there, was a, there was a direction that was given to the children of Israel. Can I finish preaching the sermon? Some, somebody say yes, all right? Because we're not taking a vote. Anyway, uh, He said that the Lord said, Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into the treasury. And then in chapter 7, the Bible says, but Israel, and you can circle that, Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. What? I don't get this. It doesn't fit what I believe. So if Achan did something wrong, that's Achan's problem. But that's not what the Bible says. Israel had all come through the same baptism. They had all eaten the same spiritual bread and, and drank the same spiritual drink. And now they are conquering. So we are all, I keep hearing people say this, we are all in this together. No, we're not. We are, as the body of Christ, in this together. And there is an understanding in the world that, yes, we're going through similar problems, but there is a uniqueness. We have all been baptized. We have all confessed Jesus. And if you haven't, if you're just coming to Jesus, I want you to be a part of this. But understand, now we are responsible for one another. Israel violated the instructions. And so there was another battle with a city called Ai. And because they had whooped up on Jericho, they said, some of us stay home. We'll just send a few of us because we are so good. And so a few of them go to defeat Ai in Joshua chapter 7. About 3,000 men went up, but they fled. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men and chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the, the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. It's a weird story, but it's, but it's the truth, all right? So now God, they say, God, what happened? 
Well, remember when you were in Jericho, I told you that you were to take none of their gold, none of their silver, nothing. Somebody has sinned among you. And they said, well, who is it? And he said, uh, we don't know. So they started acting around, asking around. And Achan confessed. He said, it's true. In verse 20, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. So uh, out of that, uh, again, Old Testament stories, tough. Achan died. Okay, this is before the work of Christ on the cross. Okay, but Achan died out of this and his family died. All of them died. I think that's rough. And I think sometimes we forget that all the stories in the Old Testament were written to us as a shadow of things to come. So when I looked at this, first of all, I thought, okay, there's 200 silver coins. Just 200 silver coins. And people really need coins right now. I mean, Wendy's needs coins. So 200 silver coins. But what about the garment? Why did he want the garment? And why is the statement Babylon thrown in there? It was just a really pretty garment. No, it was a garment that was made in Babylon. Everybody say Babylon. Because I don't think we understand really what was going on. Because Babylon has been around for a long, long time. First, we hear about Babylon in a place called Babel in Genesis. At Babel, they're building this tower because they don't want to obey God. They don't want to disperse. They don't want to take God's word. So they decide that they will create a place, a tower. And at that particular tower, it's called Babel. Babel meaning confusion because God confused their languages and they had to disperse. But you also know about Babel from a king named, Babel, named Nebuchadnezzar. Anybody remember Nebuchadnezzar? Have you heard of Daniel? Have you heard of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego? Have you heard these stories? As you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, these were not their names. These were their Babylonian names because Nebuchadnezzar overtook uh, Judah and, and he took, after he, oh, he, he came over, the, he breached the walls and destroyed the nation. He took their finest. He went into the temple, destroyed the temple, took all of the gold, all of the silver, everything away from it. That's the empire. Now, at that time, there wasn't a Babylonian empire, but it was beginning to grow. I said Babylon was growing. You see, we don't hear Babylon first in the history of Israel. First, we hear about Babel, and then we hear about Nebuchadnezzar. We hear about Hezekiah, the king. Hezekiah received some people from Babylon. Babylonian envoys who showed, and he showed them everything. He showed them the treasury houses that they had. He showed them the silver and the gold and the spices and the aromatic oils. He also took them to see his armory and showed them everything in his royal treasuries. And, and Hezekiah was a godly man, but he opened the doors to Babylon into the kingdom. Let me show you around my house. Because Babylon was a nation that rejected Almighty God. Hezekiah is confronted by Isaiah in uh, 2 Kings chapter 20. And he's told them, look, what, why did you, what did they see in your palace? He said, Hezekiah said, they saw everything 
And then Isaiah prophesied. He said, listen to this message from the Lord. The time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasuries stored up by your ancestors until now, will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And of course, three generations later, that happens in chapter 24, uh, 2 Kings 24. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against the city as his servants were besieging it. Now, when the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, invaded Judea, five things happened. The Babylonians breached the wall of the city. The Babylonians seized the wealth of God's people. The Babylonians destroyed every evidence of the Hebrew God. They took out the eyes of the king, literally took his eyes out. This is a rough service sermon today. Wow. They took the choice youth from the tribe of Judah, and they took them home, changed their names, taught them Babylonian ways. This points to more than just a time in Jewish history because in Scripture we hear about Babylon and then in Revelation 17 we hear about mystery Babylon. In in Revelation 17, speaking of the final days, John, who has received a vision from the Lord, says, The Lord carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. I want some of that. Having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And on her head, a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth, and I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Now, listen, this, that same spirit that you read about in Revelation 17 and 8 runs parallel to what I see in the Old Testament, and it also runs parallel with what I see in our culture today, in the culture of our nation. I'm going to preach now. So much has been said about who this is. Is it a church? Is it the Protestants? Is it the Catholics? Is it it a Jewish community? Is it all of them? Mystery Babylon is the spirit of a seductive culture that's actively engaged in the deception and destruction of God's people. It is the spirit that says you don't need a holy God. The Bible is what you make of it. It is the spirit that says live according to your flesh. Trust me and I will give you money. I will give you what you need. It is the spirit that will allow churches to exist as long as we say that say what we want them to say. It is the spirit that wants to seduce our next generation, your children, into believing a lie in order to be financially favored and to have friends and influence. It sleeps with the spirit of the antichrist it is the new world religion it is already stealing the faith of our generations as parents sleep and say they're just being themselves and I want them to be true to who they are like the Babylon of the Old Testament it has breached the wall it's capturing our youngest and brightest and causing them to believe doctrines of devils Literally, it is the root of the world. It is a nation that is in confusion. And as we move toward our upcoming presidential election, my great concern is that our nation is already in a meltdown. The culture is much more interested in pleasing everyone than pleasing God. 
I need to get an amen from everyone in the house of God right now. The culture is influencing the church and the church has no influence on the culture. We are more divided than at any time. Conservatives and liberals. 1 Kings 18, 21. How long will you halt between two opinions? If, if God is the Lord, then serve him. And Christians are now accepting the things that God rejects. Things that have brought down empires. Things that have destroyed cities. Things that caused Sodom and Gomorrah to be burned to the ground. We are accepting things that, as, that, that we thought at one time were absolutely wrong. For fear of offending sinners. We have chosen to reject the doctrine of repentance. We have lost the reality of radical conversion. We have become drunk. Rather than sitting with the woman at the well. But I still believe. That anyone who is in Christ. Is a new creation. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, the Bible says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and that the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that that he must be killed and on the third day he'd be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord! This shall never happen to you! And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get away from me. That's what he said. Get away from me, Satan. You are stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind concerns of God, but merely human concerns. How would Jesus say that to Peter? He said it to Peter to save his soul. Come on. Do you, anybody understand what I'm saying? There are moments that you have to deal with spiritual friendships. This is a message that allows the one. Do you, you hear what I'm saying? This message it follows Jesus. This is a message that follows that, 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 that follows what I have taught to you before. This is a whole new level of relationship. Can I tell you there is an attack upon your family. And if you don't stand up and say, get behind me, Satan. If you're not willing to call lies, lies and truth, truth. The enemy comes against us in so many ways. We need to learn how to set up some boundaries, brothers and sisters. We need to speak the truth. Help me, Jesus. I don't want people to walk away in fear. I want you to walk away spiritually empowered to move forward in your life without the fear of being abused and manipulated or or violated. You know, I've spoken on boundaries before. Other people are not responsible for your boundaries. Other people are not responsible for your boundaries. Unless you are a child. As a child, other people are responsible for your boundaries. Next time mom and dad says no, say thank you. Insecurities come from a lack of boundaries. Somebody say welcome Holy Spirit. When you are secure, you can go into a lion's den. When you're secure, you can face death. When you are secure, you can face kings and you can face paupers because you know who you are. Also, remember, before you set boundaries, you need to welcome Holy Spirit. Remember, he said, I'm doing a new thing. 
I'm making a way in the desert and the wilderness. Jesus, I got to be finished right now. I know my time is gone, but I want to help you discover the truth today. Can I just, let me just say a few things as I wrap this up. We need to protect our children. Somebody shout amen. Amen. And how do you protect your children from the Babylonian spirit? They're going to they're gonna go to school one way or another, somehow, eventually. Let me just give you a few ideas. One, make authentic faith an integral part of life. Authentic. Somebody say authentic. Real faith. Your children should not have to ask you whether or not they are living in a home of believers. Amen. Amen. Oh, Jesus. I've heard so many reasons why children leave the church, and sometimes it's moral reasons, relational or spiritual or intellectual. Still, there is often a common thread through the different stories. Young people are wounded by previous generations who through relational brokenness and religious inconsistencies don't see a connection between what the adults in their lives believe spiritually and how these adults actually live. And out of that, they leave. They said they were Christians, but let me tell you what was really going on in my house. They've seen how spiritual things help on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights, but don't see how it translates into their everyday lives. I'm saying make authentic faith an integral part of your lives. Make sure your kids are saved and then live it and learn it. You are their homeschool. I love the teaching of Almighty God in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. What? Mom talking about Jesus again. Daddy talking about the Holy Ghost again. What? They want us to kneel and pray in our house. I'm tired of all it. No, no. Kids who live that way grow up and live that way. We should discuss everyday activities with our kids through the lens of God's word. Make it a lively, normal part of life. Be open to questions, especially the ones that keep the conversations going. Sometimes it's hard to believe, but teens really do crave spiritual conversation with the adults in their life. Not lectures, but real conversations. And then I said, help them engage in culture. Help them engage their culture. We must consistently show our kids that faith is essential. With the harsh realities of the real world. Not just compatible but essential for facing challenges. When your child recognizes faith as a true source of strength, when it helps her overcome temptation and persecution and relationship problems or bad decisions, she is far more likely to rely on that source in the future because it helped me in my past. Pray about everything. Help them engage through prayer and display a faith that reaches out. As As you live your Christian faith with your family, remember that your kids are a generation earnestly seeking to fulfill the words of of God. In 1 Peter 2, this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Serve, love, give. I'm done. Everybody stand with me. I got to close with this. I told you this at the beginning. Choose to be saved. Say it. Choose to be saved. I choose to be born again. 
I choose for the Holy Spirit. Say that, I choose. I make a choice. Now, some of you are struggling right now. I mean, even with what I'm saying, you might say, well, that doesn't apply to that. Yes, it does. Probably everything that you're questioning right now, it applies to. Every word you speak. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5. Let us then be not be like others who are asleep. But let us be alert and self-controlled. Since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Somebody say yes. Just say yes. Say it again, yes. Would you just close your eyes with me for a moment? Close your eyes with me. Let's make some confession. Let's say this. Lord Jesus, I choose salvation. I choose you to be my Lord. I say yes to your calling. I say yes to your word. I say yes to your plan for my life. I say yes. For the generations. I say yes. I say no. To this world. I say no. To godlessness. I say no. To things of this world. I say no. To Babylon. I say no. To religious hypocrisy. I say no. I say yes. Holy Spirit, come. I receive your spirit. I receive the power that makes me godly. I cannot do this on my own. Holy Spirit, come. Live inside of me. Wow. Let's give thanks to the Lord. You need to pray a prayer like that every day. Every morning when you wake up. Anybody receive the word of God today? I didn't tell very many funny stories. I got to work on that for second service. Anybody need this? How many believe the world needs this? Anybody believe it? Give me some affirmation, some confirmation today. Are you with me on this? Praise God. So proud of you. So good to see you here with your family. I love Jeffersons. I love you guys. So good to see you walking in, standing bold in the Word of God. I do love you. I trust that you'll receive the Word of God as we receive this covenant together. After all I've taught you and all these yeses that you've said, would you take the bread in your hand and then would you open the cup? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. This bread reminiscent of the manna that the children of Israel received. This bread is the body of our Lord Jesus. We don't receive it separately. We receive it together as the church of the Lord. We are one body. We have waited to receive it together, not in a rush. The sinless body of Christ. I examine myself. I look upon myself. Lord Jesus, as we have said yes, we have prepared ourselves to receive this. 
We walk humbly before you. Thank you for your provision. Receive the body of the Lord Jesus. The blood of Christ. You ready to receive the blood of Christ? Here we are in our wilderness. Babylon right around the corner. Here we are. We reject everything from the enemy and we receive everything from God. Take this cup. The blood of our Lord Jesus. Father, we give you thanksgiving for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for challenging us today to be your body, to be your church. Now, as we walk away, we walk away as your body. And because we are socially distant, because we go to our homes and our places of work, we are still one church. We are still your body. And we choose to follow you. Our decisions and choices are going to be different this week. Because we are one body. We accept the responsibility to be brothers and sisters, to be the friends of one another, and to care for one another, and to love one another. And we receive your spirit to live holy and godly lives in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. You may be dismissed when you choose. If you would like to pray, please meet me right here at my right. Come up here, and there are people that will meet you. They'll be wearing masks. They'll meet you right up here in front and pray with you. God bless you all. I love you. So good to have you at Freedom today. Sing.